He's basically summing up everything that he's talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. These are the words of Christ. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when it fell, its destruction was complete. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Well, you know, I want to talk about something very neat. There are a lot of ways to die. Did you know that? Every summer, Liel and I have this discussion when we're going on vacation to the beach. The discussion about sharks and our children are going to be eaten by man-eating sharks. And it seems like wherever we're going, that's where the sharks are. Okay, it doesn't matter. They're, they're, they're ahead of us and they're waiting. There was some issue and therefore uh, we can't go there. Well, everyone knows the statistics are ridiculously small in terms of the chance of being eaten by a shark. But you know, there are other ways that one can possibly experience calamity. For instance, uh, death by insects or spiders, you have a 1 in 42,770,000 chance of dying by insects and spiders. How about this? Death by human stampede, 1 in 13,220,000. This is one of my favorites. Death by being crushed by a vending machine, 1 in 112 million. Okay, there's all sorts of ways. There was even death by noise. That some people, the noise is so strong, they just die. They just keel over. Who would have thunk? But that's the way it happens. You know, but my, my favorite way, if I'm going to go, I want to go by falling into a sinkhole. Okay? So, you know what? You're familiar? They're not even odds for this, but it, but it happens. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a sinkhole, but basically it works something like this. There's, there's erosion that's going on underneath the surface. Okay? And this may be happening for ten, hundreds, thousands of years. And, and everything is washed away. There's not anything under it. And you go and you drive over and you're that unlucky person that it just happened to drop on in. Here's another great one. I don't know if you see that. It's a 300-foot hole in the middle of a city in Guatemala. It just opened up. Nobody knew exactly why or where. They're just walking along and all of a sudden it disappears. Now this brings it a little bit closer to home here. Here's a house and right in their backyard a sinkhole just opened up. These sinkholes, they're everywhere. You don't know where they're going to happen. They just do. Heck, they could even happen right now. Well, that may be a bit dramatic. I'm kind of melodramatic. I think we're going to be okay. You know, we're all familiar with sinkholes, aren't we? Not necessarily these. But what about sinkholes in life? You know, you're walking along, everything looks great, and all of a sudden, your boss wants to see you. And your job's eliminated, and you fall into this sinkhole. What, what happened? Life was great just an hour ago. How about that conversation with your spouse? Things have been going great, or so you thought. Yeah, we've had some troubles, and then all of a sudden, that conversation, I don't want to be married anymore. And you fall down the sinkhole, and you wonder, where was this thing? Why didn't I see it? How about this? You're, you're living a healthy life, you, you jog, you're in shape, and then all of a sudden, you have that heart pain, and you go on in. Oh, your arteries are blocked. You're not, you need to have surgery right away. Sinkholes that we all experience. You know, I believe in the United States right now that we are feeling the tremors of a sinkhole. 
that there's an erosion of what this country was built on and understanding that there is a God and we must live by his principles if we are to prosper as a nation. And so we feel the tremors of possibly a sinkhole. Of course, there's that ultimate sinkhole that we all deal with, the sinkhole we call dying. It's a part of life. You know, in the old days, everyone was familiar with death because it happened in your upstairs bedroom. But now it's something we try to push away to keep behind a closed door. But death is the ultimate sinkhole that somehow we must find a way to conquer. See, the question is, how do we avoid these sinkholes? How do we stand in the midst of uncertainty in our life? See, if we don't have a strong foundation that can hold us, our entire life will be consumed with this worry that's just below the surface. An uncertainty that maybe the floor is going to drop out when we least expect it. But you see, if we live with the understanding that we have a foundation under our feet that is rock solid, that no matter what happens or what occurs, we will be able to stand. That is when we can live with confidence and peace. You know, true freedom isn't when everything's going right in your life. True freedom is when everything is going wrong, and yet you have the confidence to be able to stand and put your head on your pillow at night because you know that you have a rock that will not be shaken. What if you were able to live like that, to experience that peace no matter what comes at you because you know that you're going to be okay? See, that's the message of Jesus right here. Jesus says, everyone that hears this message, these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. See, Jesus is saying this. He's talking about himself that since Jesus is the one foundation that will never fail, we must build on him alone. So what I want to do for the next two, three, maybe four hours, it does, it, we'll see how long it takes to develop my case, is we're going to look at three things. Number one, we're going to examine our foundations. What are we standing on? Is it strong enough? We're going to basically get underneath and look at the foundation. Then number two, we're going to examine the storms. What are the things that can come against us that can knock us down? And finally, number three, how do we build on the proper foundation? So let's take a look. Number one, let's examine our foundation. Jesus summarizes this entire teaching on the mount, everything that we've been hearing for the last two, three months, by saying there are two groups of people. Those who hear these words of mine and put it into practice are like wise men who built their house on a rock. But those who don't hear it are like, like a foolish man that built his house on the sand. At the end of the day, Jesus is dividing all of humanity into two groups. Now keep in mind, there's been a group of people who have been listening to Jesus' sermon. Okay, they've been hearing what he's been saying. But Jesus goes further. It's not enough to hear what he's saying. Those who hear my words and do them. See, it's not just hearing. It's putting into practice. It's not just saying either, is it? Remember last week where Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. It's not enough to hear. One has to do. When you think about this, this is a very audacious statement where Jesus is saying all of humanity, all of life is decided in how you relate to me and my words. Very, very powerful. And Jesus wants to bring this illustration home, so he uses, uh, this, he wants to bring the statement home, so he uses an analogy that everyone there, even us, can understand. It's a construction thing. You know, everyone who builds their house, uh, here's my words, builds house on the rock. See, the people there, they knew what he was talking about. Because back then, 
there really weren't a whole lot of general contractors and you know you go they come back no they were involved with building their houses and they didn't have the materials that we had and so they needed to build right if it was going to last so the truth of the matter is everything whether it was 2000 years ago or now needs a foundation you know right now we're standing on a foundation how do we know that it's going to hold our weight simple faith isn't it we don't know the builders we don't know who put this thing together when we go home to our houses, how do we know that they're going to be able to stand? The roof around us needs a foundation. When we drive on the road, how do we know that it's not going to collapse and buckle? See, everything needs a foundation, even a life. We are actually foundation builders. Think about that. You build a career, you build education and experience, so you have a foundation upon which to stand to get employment. We build a foundation in our relationships of trust and care and love, so there's something underneath that'll hold it uh, when things uh, fall apart. And so Jesus is using this illustration, and he's saying that there was a man who heard the teachings. He was like a man who built a wise man who built his house on the rock. Luke 6:48, which is the parallel passage in Luke on the Sermon on the Mount, actually says that he was a man who dug down deep. Okay, the thing was that this man realizes that he needed a firm, strong foundation. And so he started digging because he realized there was soft stuff, stuff on the top. And so he started digging and pulling stuff out because he needed to get down to the solid rock. I don't know about you if you've ever experienced this, but we had an addition done to our house uh, in another life uh, about five years ago. And you know, when they go ahead and they build the found, they, they go ahead and build the addition, the most important part is what's underneath the ground. So they go ahead and you know they dig this trench. Okay, it's got to be pretty deep. And then they go ahead and they fill it with cement. And they make sure that that thing is perfectly level. Because if it's one inch off, when you start building, the further you go up, the more it's not, uh, not going to work. And so the work in the beginning is very slow. You're kind of yelling at the contractors. You know, nobody likes the contractor. Why is this taking so long? Because of the curing of the cement and everything to get it just right. And then all of a sudden, you turn your head, and voila, the house is up. What happened? The foundation was put in. See, this wise man realized, before I go up, I've got to go down. I've got to build a solid base. I can go up later. That was the man who built his house on the rock. Well, this other man, he decided to build his house on the sand. See, he was thinking all about location, right? Beachfront property. Location, location, location. He found a place that he wanted with a beautiful view of the ocean, and he said, I'm going to build here. Well, what about the foundation? Who needs a foundation? Look at the view. Look at the, you know, this is it. This is the place to go. So he didn't decide to build down. He decided to start building up. Now, let me ask you a question. Whose house got built faster? Guy with the sand, didn't he? I mean, he's even putting in some intricate scroll work. I mean, he's working on the top because he's got an extra time. And he builds this fantastic house on the sand. See, truth of the matter is, if you were to look at the two houses, they look very, very similar. But they were very, very different because it was underneath what you couldn't see. It was really the thing that, was, uh, that mattered. See, they may look the same. But at the end of the day, the house on the sand is a disaster waiting to happen. It's only the right conditions that a house is living on borrowed time. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about foundations, doesn't it? 
Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and he made my footsteps firm. Here's Psalm 61 too. From the ends of the earth I called you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. See, the Bible understands that we need a foundation to stand on. And, he's, and the Bible speaks of a foundation that is to come, a foundation that will never be shaken. This is Isaiah 26, when the Lord is prophesying, God is prophesying about the Messiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts in him will never be dismayed. See, the cornerstone in building is critical. It's the first thing that goes in. And if you line it up just right, the whole house will be in the right place. But if you line it up wrong or angled, you're in big trouble. See, this cornerstone is going to be laid is what God is saying. Indeed, he continues Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. See, there's one that is to come, that is a firm foundation that if we stand on him, we will not fall. And along comes this one, Jesus Christ. Jesus in this parable, in this passage, indeed in everything, comes to say that I am that cornerstone. I am the foundation that you've been looking at to build your life on. See, the question is not about the house. It's, a question, it's not a question of what, it's a question of where. Where are you going to put the weight of your life? On something that is unstable or something that is indestructible? Some of you have heard about this beautiful city. It's called the Jewel of the Adriatic Sea. The New York Times called it the most beautiful city in the world. Tourists come from all around the world to see its beautiful theaters and architecture and art. This city is called Venice, the city of love. In fact, people, it was so valuable in World War II that the Germans and the British had an implicit agreement not to bomb it because we could not lose such a priceless treasure. Venice is beautiful, but there's only one problem. Venice is sinking. See, when they decided to build Venice, they, wanted, they built it in this lagoon, and there were 120 islands in this lagoon. And so they started sinking posts about the size of trash cans, down into the, uh, these islands to try to shore it up. And they built on one island, and then they built on another. And they took a bridge, and they went on, and went on, and went on, until all 120 islands were filled. See, Venice is built on each one of these islands. But the problem is that the poles are rotting, and the, and the more weight that's come above is sinking the city, uh, uh, sinking the city below. It's losing altitude by about 0.07 inches a year. And with global warming right now, water is gaining about 2 millimeters. And so Venice is flooding. Here's the beautiful city as we see it right now, the city of love. But in the seasons, even now, it's beginning to flood. And so Venice has a problem on their hand. It may be beautiful, but right now the buildings are starting to leak. Unless something is done, the city will eventually wash into the sea. See, all the focus was on what was above, but not taking the time to shore up that which is below. In the same way, we have to examine our own lives. 
See, this isn't about a house. It's about a choice. Jesus didn't come to bring us great advice upon which to build our lives. He came to bring us a foundation upon which to build. He who hears my words and does them, he is the wise man. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what must we do to do the work that God requires? And they simply said this, the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. And so Jesus is the foundation that we're looking for. So the question I have for you is what's under you? What is it that's holding up your life? If we were to strip away the foundations and take a look. See, if you want to know what's underneath you, all you need to do is look at the building above. Because the building always takes the shape of the foundation, square or rectangular or whatever it is. How about this person? You're a stay-at-home mom. You pride yourself on the way that you care for your kids. You're always there getting involved with different things. You make their lunches. You make sure that they're in all the activities. You pride yourself on all of these things. And everyone admires you and your steadfastness as a mom. But then another mom comes along. And if you make the peanut butter jelly sandwich, she cuts the crusts off. If you put in the grapes, she peels the grapes. If your kids are in two after-school programs, theirs are in three, including German and Japanese. And your kids are just overstressed, and they don't like you anymore because you're pushing along, and all of a sudden you feel like your house is sinking. And you've got to keep shoring it up, being better, building a better house because it's slowly going down. How about if your business is your foundation? You slave and you work at it because you want to build a tower that reaches to heaven. And so everything must go aside from that which builds my, house, my business house. Everything, relationships, health, leveraged debt in order to build something. But the experience of the economy, the health taking its toll and slowly you feel this business sinking. And you're bailing water because the foundation is not strong. See, what is it for you? As you look at your life, what building do you see? Maybe that shows you what foundation is below. See, there's only one foundation at the end of the day that we can build ourselves on. And the truth of the matter is the foundation's already been poured. It's not a question of what we build, it's a question of where we build. But Jesus says that if you are the one foundation, that if you build on Him, He's the one who will never fail. So that is where you must build. That brings me to my second point. If we've examined the foundations, what's beneath, we need to examine the storms, that which is above and coming. Let's continue with our story here as the plot thickens. My man who's on his beachfront property is enjoying the beautiful views. There's a lovely breeze that seems to be kicking up, sort of a zephyr, you know, who's He's enjoying his mint julep tea up on the balcony when all of a sudden the wind begins to get stronger. And lo and behold, there are the clouds in the distance. He hasn't seen those before. And here it comes, the hurricane. We, more than most people in this country, know exactly what we're talking about, don't we? The high winds, the roaring of the winds, the storm surge, everything, the sky growing dark the power going out. And before he knows it, he's in the middle of a maelstrom and the house begins to shake. Now how about our other guy? He's got his house on the rock. 
See, he's inside right now. He's looking at, you know, old uh, uh, issues of the love boats. He's drinking hot chocolate. He's enjoying life. He's not stressed at all. Why? It's the same storm, but because his house is on the rock. See, the outcomes were totally different. The man whose house was on the rock stood. But the one who was on the sand, it literally says it fell, and great was the fall of it. The word in Greek is, is mega. It was a fall. It was a mega fall. How big this thing fell. You've got to scratch your head and go, why did this guy build on the sand? I mean, what, what was he thinking? Well, the scriptures say that he was a foolish man. This word in the Greek, moro, is from where we get the word moron. This guy was a moron. But we can be the same way, can't we? You know, I was trying to get in this guy's head to figure out what he was thinking. I think there were three things he was thinking. Okay, the first thing he might be thinking is don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Like it's all going to work out. Don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Jesus tells a parable about a guy like this. In Luke 12, he said, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to myself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? See, money isn't the issue. The issue is that money and all these other things make a great servant but a very poor master. Well, don't worry. How about this one? It doesn't matter what foundation your life is on as long as you have one. You have your foundation. I have my foundation. Everybody's got their own foundation, but the key is we do have a foundation. Recently, there was a building that was built uh, on Ohio State's campus. It was called the Wexman Center. And Newsweek called it the first deconstructionist building ever built in the postmodern era. What's a deconstructionist building? The architect put it this way. He wanted to design a place that reflected the senseless and incoherency of the world and the capriciousness of the rules that organize this world. And so if you walk into the Wexman Center, it has stairways that lead to nowhere, pillars that are hanging from the ceiling, strange angles to show the amorphousness of the building. Well, when the uh, Christian philosopher and thinker Ravi Zacharias came in and was shown proudly by the administration, this lovely building, he turned to them and he says, I only have one question. Did they do the same thing with the foundation? <laughs> See, you can fool yourself above, can't you? We can say whatever it is that we want, but in the end, there is a way that things work. They built the foundation so that building would not fall. It sure does matter upon which you lay your foundation. Here's the final one. I think it's religion, but kind of lip service to it, you know? I'm gonna come on Sunday, gonna write my check, you know, I'll go to the Christmas thing. You know, but it, it's, it's just a veneer, you know? It's just a little layer of asphalt running along the top, and there's nothing underneath. And so when the storm comes, there's no thing to hold the storm. See, the ultimate storm that we have to worry about is death. See, if you're not confident about your foundation, you'll never look to the future. You'll always keep your head down, looking left or right, because you don't want to look at the storm that is coming. See, it doesn't matter if you gain the whole world. 
and yet in the end lose your soul. So when we build a life, you don't want to build it on a house of cards. You don't want to build it on cheap materials that will fall in 10 years. Maybe even stone that will fall in 50 years. You need an indestructible foundation. So where will we find it? Jesus said, I am that foundation. I'm the one you have been looking for. But how do we trust that Jesus really is? That he's not just giving us another spiel like someone else. The reason we can trust in Jesus Christ is because he has lived the indestructible life. See, it's not just a bunch of talk for him, is it? Jesus came as a man. And he lived a life built on trust of his father. Whom he only knew by faith. See, Jesus has understood what it is to be in the storm. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by his friends. He knows what it's like to be uh, the people that very uh, shouted Hosanna as he came into the city. The next week shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He knows what it is to be physically tortured and spit upon. He knows what it is to be crucified. And he knows what it is to go into the rock into the tomb, into the darkness of death. But Jesus understood one thing, that in order to save his people, a new foundation had to be built. One that would take out the rotting pillars and the old crumbling stone and build something else. See, how do we know that Jesus is the rock upon which we can stand? Because he is the one that went into the rock and came out of it. Nothing can hold Jesus Christ. His life is indestructible. No matter what you throw at him, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so he has authority over all things. And so Jesus Christ gives us a place to stand where we can look at life with no fear because we are standing on the indestructible God. You may have never heard of this guy. His name is William Borden. They called him William Borden of Yale. He lived in the 1800s. He was a well-to-do person, came from a good family, and he had wealth and influence. But William Borden loved Jesus, and he felt the call of Christ to be a missionary in China. All of his friends said, what are you talking about? You, you have a career, you have a place here, you're wealthy, you're, you'd be a fool to throw away your life and go there. But William Borden knew what he was meant to do. And so he, he applied and applied and applied. Finally, he got the opportunity to go. And while he was headed toward China, he stopped in Egypt because he felt ill. And there he became sick, very sick. And indeed, when it became obvious to him and everyone else that he was going to die in Egypt before he even made it to China, you might wonder, what was he thinking in his mind? What a waste. I never even got there. My whole life is useless. Now William Borden took out a piece of paper to write his last words to his friends. And he simply wrote these three comments. No reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. See, William Borden knew because his feet were on the indestructible Christ that even death could not stop him as well. See, the storm is coming, everyone. Are you set? Do you have a foundation, or is it plywood, or tape, or positive thinking, 
See, none of those things are going to get it done. Jesus says, I am the foundation. And the foundation has already been built. And it's available to any of you. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, white or black, a Russian or an American. It's available to anyone, even if you can't afford it, because Jesus Christ is the one who's paid the price. But Jesus comes to us and he says, I can be your foundation, but you can't have two of them. You can't have two foundations. Everybody knows that. I am the indestructible God, and so you must put all of the weight of your life on me. And so you and I must weigh our life carefully. Jesus put it this way, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. See, this man was double-minded. Something has to go. What has to go in your life to put your feet upon the solid rock of Christ? Until that goes, that foundation is not available. But if it goes and when it goes, you have an indestructible foundation upon which to build your life. Since Jesus is the one foundation that will never fail, you must build on Him and Him alone. This brings me to my third point. Talked about examining the foundation. We've talked about examining the storms. Now I want to talk about examining how we build on this foundation. Okay, if you're a Christian, you've already set your feet upon the rock, right? But now there's something to be done. Something to be done now is to start building. See, Jesus didn't give us a foundation so we build a small house. Jesus gave us a foundation because He wanted us to build a building of a life that would glorify Him and show the world how beautiful and strong that He is. And so as Christians, if you have your feet on the rock, we have a great privilege, but we also have a great responsibility to build on the foundation that God has given us. And so Paul gives us words that challenge us in 1 Corinthians 3.10. Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. He's talking about when he brought the word of Christ, and people believed, and they became Christians. But then he says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. See, Jesus is saying, I've given you a foundation upon which to build. So surely the building that you build must fear the foundation that is below. See, Christians, we have a great privilege and a great responsibility. A lot of people don't know this, but there are going to be two judgments at the end of all things. The first judgment is simply this. This is a pass-fail. Who are your, who's your feet on? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Is all of your hopes set on Jesus Christ? Yeah? You're going to heaven. I'm sorry. You can't get out of it. It is what it is. Okay? But there's a second 
a judgment. When our lives are examined as Christians, what have you done with what I gave you? The talents and the responsibilities, this foundation upon which to build. And you know, each one of our houses will look a little different, right? Because God has a special plan for you and me. And what Paul is warning against is we must build on the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. If we start building on other things that the world brings into us, gold and precious stones and wood, and experiencing those things and all of a sudden trying to integrate them into our foundation, what we will have is a tottering tower because we're getting away from the person we're supposed to be built on. You know, there's nothing worse than being a double-minded Christian. You know, I'd rather, you know, it's like Luther. Sin boldly if you're going to sin. Yeah. You know, because you're unhappy. You know you should be on this foundation, but you're walking over here. That's a miserable way to live. Either live fully for Christ or forget the whole thing. But if you live fully for Christ and you put your weight on Him, that's the truly happy people. Because they know that the ground is solid and so is the building. How do we not lose focus? as we wander through this life. The first thing I think we have to do is we have to look down. We've got to look down at our feet and understand where our feet have been set. We've got to go to the tomb underneath and remember the one who holds us up, Jesus Christ, every day. We need to beat our heads with the gospel every day. We have to look down. But then we have to look up. See, we're building up, aren't we? Jesus has been seated at the throne, the throne of God. That our ultimate destination is not here, but it's there in heaven. The heaven that's come down. So we have to remember where it is that we're trying to build. Otherwise, we'll look at all the beauty of the world and we'll say, I want to go that way. And we start building and building. And we have to come on back. We have to get around other people that are building in the same direction that we are. You know, all this church is at the end of the day, it's a bunch of buildings. Being joined together to build up high, to strengthen one another. This isn't a solo sport, Christianity. People coming together. Can you imagine what this building would look like if we lived that life? You know, that wave is a beautiful building, isn't it? But people's lives bonded together, that's like a skyscraper. Everybody wants that. Are we living that way, Redeemer? What's stopping you? We have to hear the word in the name. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts it into practice. Jesus gives us tools every day to help us stay on the path. If your Bible is dusty, you're in a world of hurt, let me tell you. We give you opportunities here at Redeemer to hear his word and put it into practice. Whether it's our adult education class, whether it's our discipleship journey groups, whether it's community groups, whether it's, you name it, our children's church giving you the word, feeding you, so that you can take that word and build it up. You have to be diligent. But here's the final thing. You've got to enjoy the view. You know, we may not be all the way up there yet, but we're here. We have the confidence in God. So don't forget to look up and look down, but also to look around. Because God is doing a great thing in your life and my life. And we're the ones that have the confidence and no matter whether it's sunny or it's clouds and thunderstorm coming, we can rest, lay down our head on our pillow and find peace. Because we know the one that will last forever. Since Jesus is the one foundation that will never fail, you and I must make a decision to build on Him alone. The choice is ours. Let us pray.
Lord, we do thank you that you've given us a foundation upon which to stand, that you are the indestructible one. You have had everything thrown at you, even death itself. And yet, God, you have come out of the grave. You've left a firm foundation upon which we can stand. I pray for every single person in this congregation, that if they haven't set their feet upon you as their rock, that they would do so even today. And I pray for those of us who are believers, who are Christians, Lord, that we could go ahead and build and get rid of all of the stuff that's not worthy of you, our foundation. That we would look down, that we would look up, and that we would look around and enjoy the view as we walk on this pilgrimage of life. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.